everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we continue The Son of Neptune. How are you doing today, Jane? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I, I've been out there risking life and limb for this podcast today. Uh-huh. I... <laughs> I left my copy of Son of Neptune in a stupid place and had to go and retrieve it. And while I was doing this, it started fucking thundering. Oh, God. So I was simply running along, doing my funny little scurry while the sky continued to flash with giant plasma explosions. Didn't you say there was, like, hail, too? It was not hail, it was just extremely heavy rain. Gotcha. (laughs) Thankfully. I'm glad that you weren't pelted by ice. Did, did your book survive the rain? Uh, the book is a little bit fucked up now, but I put it on a radiator and now it's fine. That's good. Anyway, the the irony is not lost on me that I was carrying around the book that is named after Percy and being threatened with being struck by lightning. <laughs> That's really good, actually. Um, <laughs> something. When Did you ever have like a time in your like childhood mm-hmm. when you had like some books that got water damaged somehow? And you, like, just, like, did everything in your fucking life to, like, oh, I need to save these? Uh, unfortunately, yes, I have a very clear memory of this. Okay. Uh, it was, I was, like, hanging around at my dad's work because, like, school was out and he needed somewhere to put me. Uh, so I was sitting in, like, a waiting area with a bottle of Orange Oasis and my copy of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, uh, one accidentally was tipped on the other, and my my little book was destroyed. I think I still actually have that copy knocking about somewhere. That's not just water either. That's fucking sticky juice. That's yeah, no, no. I think the book is still slightly fucked up actually from drink crimes. Yeah. Of course, in hindsight, that oasis knew what I didn't. <laughs> oh god, the the. I like to imagine drinks are full of spirits that know things we don't. <laughs> and then we drink them and lose their knowledge forever. No, no, you drink them to absorb the knowledge. <laughs> you drank the... I guess you could... If you had drank in that bottle of Oasis, you would have known before anyone else. I'd have been like, wait, this is really anti-Semitic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. For me, it was um, a bunch of Shonen Jump magazines. No. Because I, I subscribed to Shonen Jump from a very early age because I like lived. Fucking weeb. Well, listen, I lived in a very like a small town. We didn't have like cable. We didn't have internet Uh, for like I just lived by a lake and a trailer, like a trailer for years. Um, mm. And my one of my few sources of joy was uh, getting Shonen Jump in the mail. And uh i like i didn't know what anime was i don't think i just knew the fun pictures and you didn't like, drop them in the lake did you i I didn't drop them in the lake they <laughs> they they came with me uh through the years and i think eventually there was just like oh i i left the i left one of them out in the rain is what happened oh no i like i had one lying out i don't remember why i think i was just like reading it outside and then I was like, oh, I have to go inside to do something. Boom. Raining. And this was, like, early shit, too. This was, like, Yugi versus Kaiba, like, number one or something. That's so sad. Quite sad, yeah. Uh, but anyway. Were they at least playing, like, I don't know, a spell card with a storm in it for the immersive experience? I couldn't tell you because the pages were all stuck together. <laughs> no. If I, tried to, if I tried to peel them apart, they'd break. Uh, that sucks. It's sad, but it's sad. But you know what isn't sad? Speaking of books that suck. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Are those your real feelings? Uh, Interesting, okay. (laughs) Should we just get right into the summaries, I guess? I think so. Alright, I'll start us off then. Chapter 21, Frank. Frank, in the middle of a self-hatred spiral runs with Hazel and Percy past the poisonous fire-breathing basilisk that Polybides summoned, and into the safety of the nearby store, Rainbow Organic Foods and Lifestyles. It's a sort of, like, hippie, new-age organic food store workers co-op, founded by the goddess Iris, 
who the kids are led to by a cloud nymph named Fleecy. Iris explains that she likes to keep her life separate from her job of being a god, and she didn't stop the giant's army because she's strictly non-violent. Percy's still feeling pretty dazed, so he and Hazel go with Fleecy to heal up and send an Iris message while Frank stays behind to talk to Iris herself. Chapter 22, Frank. To try and encourage Frank, despite the fact that he could die at any moment from a room being slightly too hot, Iris says that actually, he's way too overpowered to live without this nerf, and then shows him a bunch of scenes from his past he'd forgotten about, like encountering a grizzly bear as a baby and his mom somehow stopping it from mauling him, or his mom telling him bedtime stories about all the heroes he's descended from, and their, sham- and their family's home, Li Jian, before saying that his special gift is that he can do anything. Iris encourages him to make his own choice and be who he wants to be, rather than who other people want him to be, but he decides he'll just continue to do the quest anyway. She then advises him to seek out Phineas, a harpy-tormented seer who could help him find Thanatos. Before any of that can happen, though, he's got to use the spear Mars gave to him to kill the basilisks outside. With one parting word from Iris that Frank could give his firewood to someone he trusts to hold, our big boy goes to beat up some basilisks. Chapter 23, Frank. Frank immediately gets ambushed by basilisks. Chapter 24, Frank. (laughs) Remembering a story about planting dragon's teeth in the ground, Frank stabs the dragon's tooth spear into the ground and watches in horror as a horrifying human ghost. I guess I didn't need to write the word horrifying there. It's it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. uh, Who he calls Grey, on account of it being Grey, rises from the ground and kills all the basilisks, quite thoroughly dead. Two uses remaining. Hazel and Percy rush out to meet him and the three go off to Portland. So, pretty light ones this week. How, how, what'd you think? Uh, I am starting to get like a vibe from this book that's worrying me. Uh-huh. The vibe is Throne of Fire. Really? I just, I'm, I'm flashing back to when we were doing Kane Chronicles and we, we finished Red Pyramid and we were like, yeah, this was kind of dodgy, but overall a good foundation for the start of the series. And that was kind of our feelings about like Lost Hero as well, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Throne of Fire is like, oh yeah, we get straight into it in this one. It's a lot more fast-paced. There's more action. It's kind of... But it kind of falls apart as it goes. And I don't know. I, these chapters just kind of gave me the vibe of kind of starting to show cracks at the seams. You think these are falling apart? A little bit. I think... I think a big part of it is Iris. I think Iris is just, like, possibly one of the most boring gods we've ever met. I, yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that, though? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, the, the, the broad concept of her is just quite generic. It's, what if, what if God, but hippie? Which, like, we've seen this kind of thing before. We've seen this kind of thing in this book before. Like, that was Juno's whole deal at the start. Yeah. It's just, it, Iris is kind of a more upmarket hippie. And it, her whole deal about, like, not defining herself as being a Greek god and, like, you know, culturally appropriating a bunch of different people to try and hew out a different identity for herself. Yeah, but one of the standout bits being where she says that she's, like, she says that she's looking into Taoism and Buddhism, but can't decide between the two of them. God, yeah. Which is honestly, like, pretty good, like, pretty good writing, I guess, of a character. Like, I think that's just a great, like, incisive little sentence. No, you're, you're, you're right. This is, like, for a character, this is, that's a funny bit. But I, it's it's another thing that's like flash making me flash back to Cain Chronicles is I feel like we're losing the idea of gods as like these supernatural sentient forces of nature that actually like express something about the world, and are becoming more and more just like oh yeah they're like dudes with superpowers who aren't necessarily tied down to like the the cultural context that they're in. I, I get what you mean on that last point. I, I think I agree that overall that Iris is boring. I think that like the thing with Percy Jackson, something that we did say a lot uh, in the King Chronicles is that they are kind of just guys who you might encounter that are weird sometimes. And so I'm not as put off by this as you are, but I do think like the shtick 
it's pretty surface level. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, there's nothing to, to like to be gained from the bit about like Iris being a weird kind of racist, like um, organic, like no GMO hippie type. Like there's nothing being said there. Like there's yeah. Like I'm sure we could point to another god. Let's go with like Ares. Ares, like he dresses like a like a commando. He uh like he he's very like he's themed after like American militarism in a very specific way. Yeah, or like the what I was thinking of while I was reading about Iris was like Book One Ares, who is like, you know, he is the shitty biker dude on the surface, but like. He's got, like, the nuclear fireballs in his eyes. He's got, like, the shotgun that turns into a huge sword. He's got, like, the motorcycle saddle made of human skin. Everything about that, it, it, it strikes a balance between being, like, wacky guy you can meet on your comedy road trip and, oh yeah, this guy is the god of blank. And it's just, that's something that I feel like has been lost. Yeah, and this is a position that we find ourselves, like, we talked last week about wanting to see more of the minor gods. Mm-hmm. And I think one person who like we talked about in comparison to that, we kind of kept right bringing up was, Oh fuck. What was his name? The, the weather guy. Oh fuck. What was his name? Oh, um, Al, Al, no, Alcinius. No, I that's keep wanting to also, I, I also wanted to say Alcyonius. I don't know why. <laughs> um, let me, maybe I'll it's close to that. Aeolus. That was it, yeah. Yeah, Aeolus, he... the His bit is that he is, like, has everything shoved onto him because he's not even a god. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like... um, Like, he has... He, he's similar to the bit with Ares. Like... Yeah. He's the god of, the, like, the weather... Of, like, the winds and the weather. And putting him in this position of, like, harrowed... um, Harried weatherman is like that's that's interesting i don't know what it's more interesting than like oh the rainbow goddess is a hippie which uh, yeah yeah like the she doesn't even do a lot of like super magical stuff i think the most magical thing she does is at one point she like does the like spongebob gif where he does where he like waves (laughs) his hand (laughs) he waves his hand and like a rainbow comes up and she does the exact same thing imagination literally literally exactly that i i guess i guess there's also an element of just like i feel disappointed and underwhelmed by what iris is like just because like you know this is a character who has been in the periphery of the series for six books now yeah i feel like there should be more to her we could we could take a deeper dive into this we could take like a we could take her eyeglass our spyglass and our mm-hmm. magnifying lens there are lots of words that mean things that will help you look at things and a microscope yeah um a telescope i guess it's a little bit different that's a spyglass isn't it i guess it is anyway uh, we could like zoom in here and think about like exactly what we meant before with like mm-hmm. what is the position of the minor gods now that they have been more recognized and the answer seems to be that they get to do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> Which, well, it's, I suppose that is one thing that we can glean from this is that like one of the things we talked about in Lost Hero is like, oh yeah, the minor gods are basically use this as an opportunity to fob off their duties onto people who essentially function as minor gods, but without having any of the like actual protections or like rights that being a minor god would give you. And that is exactly what Iris is doing in these chapters. She's like recruited recruited a nebulae called Fleecy to handle all her messages while she runs the shop. Exactly, exactly. And But Fleecy doesn't seem to give a shit. Like she seems fine with this. <laughs> That's the thing. I have to I actually was excited because I saw like I I thought Fleecy was going to be Iris, and I was like, wow, this is fucking weird. What a weird character. Because mm-hmm. the way she's described is that she has like a puff of cloud for hair, and her eyes yeah. are her, specifically her irises are constantly changing color. So I was like, "Oh, it's Iris, of course." Oh shit! You're a th- yeah. Wait, that should be it. What the fuck? But yeah, I I do think it's cool that Iris 
used her like free time to establish a workers co-op pretty cool no that is that is cool everything else about her is boring or kind of racist but that part is cool yes i will say there there is the the other part of this is like uh we we were theorizing about uh hera slash juno and trying to figure out if like she was being deliberately written as like an obnoxious white woman who like bows at asian people in the street and i would say that the the fact that Iris has written the way she is adds credence to the theory that that was on purpose. I think so. I think Rick Riordan has the wherewithal to understand. Uh, just like, God, I don't know. There's something so the the mental image of all this. Like <laughs> she, they approach and she has like little Buddha statues like lining up on their counter. And like little cats that are very like mm-hmm. supposed to be kind of like asian themed i guess it's the the vibes are rancid a little bit the the vibes are very rancid i'm i'm kind of surprised that frank wasn't offended by anything this is yeah like, I, I know that he's not particularly in touch with like his chinese roots and stuff but i feel like this has to be weirding him out at least a little bit surely you would think so like i can't tell if this is just like a character thing like like Rick Riordan making the decision of like Frank is not the character who would notice or care about because he doesn't even comment on it early. Yeah. Like mentally even. He just sort of notes it within the general eye of description of the text and then moves on. But I, I like would a different character, like, I don't know. Like if, if Piper had shown up and Iris was like decked out in like dream catchers and shit. Fuck. <laughs> Would like would she have made a comment? I don't know. I I'm not sure if this is like a character thing or a Rick Riordan writing thing, or if it's Rick Riordan realizing that they he he doesn't want to deal with having to write an altercation where one of the demigods is just like, hey, one of the gods is racist. Uh huh. Because that's a much more concrete kind of evil than we usually get from the gods. This is true. Yeah, usually the only concrete kind of evil we get is them murdering people. But you know what I mean. I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. Anyway, happy birthday, Jane. Thank you. I uh, it's seven o'clock, by which I mean it's uh, midnight, Jane's time. Uh, it's it's time it's time for birthday. This is turning. I was twenty two when the, when this podcast began. I am twenty three now. That's right. That's right. And I just want to say, you're a wonderful friend. Uh, I care deeply about you. Every Aww. day that I get to podcast and talk with you is a joy. And um, you're epic. Oh, thank you, Jacqueline. No problem. Everyone wish Jane a happy birthday. If you don't, then I'll know that none of you fuckers care about us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish me a happy birthday in a five-star review that you leave for the podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, what's what's going on with Frank? Frank is such a sad little boohoo boy. <laughs> <laughs> boohoo boy is exactly right. God. <laughs> he he's just he's sad at the start and he's just like mildly confused by the end. It's it's a pretty good trajectory. I Oh, how where do we start with this? I like. I feel like the the start of chapter twenty one, where over the course of like two pages, he kind of just has a whole character arc in his head, where he starts out being like, "Oh God, this is also terrible. I can't do a single thing about it. No, I've got to steal myself. I must go on," and he does all of this without saying a single word to anyone else. Yeah, he just he fucking spirals for two pages and then decides that he can't deal with any of this right now. It's pretty consistent characterization too. Like this, this is true. This is how he's been throughout the entire book, um, and part of the self hatred spiral seems to be just like a very genuine moment of like body dysmorphia. I, 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 I said Frank trans half jokingly earlier in the book, but like his whole thing at the minute seems to be he's very uncomfortable with the way his body is and also with the idea of being like a strong masculine son of Ares. Yeah. And like, come on, Rick, do it. Do it. The opportunity's right there. You fucking coward. 
You want to be the good counterpart to the evil turf lady? Make Frank trans, coward. <laughs> oh, that's in here as well. He's what a- no, not that, but the, uh, an oblique reference to the evil turf lady. Is there? Yeah, uh, where is it? It's when Frank is fighting the basilisks. And he's, he says, uh, oh, I was weird. I didn't expect them to be like just weird little on-fire snakes. I thought they would be, like, huge dragony things that could petrify you with their stare. Right, right, yeah. It's like, uh, no, Frank's been reading Harry Potter. Of course he has. He's a child in the 2000s. Uh, it's deeply unfortunate. Yeah. That, honestly, I I kind of like that. Like, gives the gives the feeling of, like, these are characters who live in the world, specifically our world. Yeah, and I mean it's it's come up briefly before. I think the security guard in the Empire State Building was uh, reading what was implied to be a Harry Potter book in Lightning Thief. Yeah, that means that J.K. Rowling exists in the Raiden verse. She's a demigod. Oh, <laughs> do you think he did make that canon at some point and then like regret it a few years later? Oh God, surely not. Surely not. She's the competition. I don't. I. She is the competition, but I feel like... Did he make Obama a demigod, or did I make that up? I think you made that up. Okay, because I was going to say that it'd be the same kind of mentality. But I don't want to ascribe nothing. <laughs> I I think... Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I have a quibble. I have a quibble with these, with this opening a to the chapter. Quibble. Yeah, last, last episode... At the very end of the cha- of the Hazel chapters, Frank says, "Anybody who any 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 god who's throwing like ding dongs can't be that bad." Um, and Frank starts these chapters by saying, "I hate ding dongs." Like that's the first thing he says. Um, I think the- you'll find that that's inaccurate. Uh, Frank hated chocolate muffins. Okay, I think that's weirder. Like, I think this localization is a bad <laughs> choice because, like, nobody hates chocolate muffins. I I mean, he's lactose intolerant. Oh, right, he is. <laughs> oh, wait, chocolate muffins have lactose in them? Uh, well, if they got milk chocolate in them. Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Dark chocolate muffins actually sound kind of interesting. Yeah, but you also have to put, like, butter and milk in, like, the, uh, the... Is it dough? What the fuck? For muffins? Yeah. For, for muffins, it's like... And you gotta bake those things. You bake them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just... I It's, it's a bit of... I, I'm just cinema-sensing. It's, it's probably not actually an inconsistency, but I do like the immediate jarring difference between anyone who, like... Anyone who has ding-dongs can't be bad to, like, I fucking hate ding-dongs. That just, is extremely weird. I don't know what the deal with that is. What, let, let's just talk about these flashbacks, maybe. Sure. Because the first one is of him as like a little baby wandering into the woods and finding a grizzly bear. And his mom like teleports to his side, like does the nothing personnel kid and <laughs> ushers him away and then quote unquote like deals with the bear. So to be clear, Frank's mom can teleport and, like, single-handedly reduce a bear to a fine red mist, but apparently is not immune to IEDs. <laughs> Massive L, in my opinion. Incredible L. God. <laughs> oh, God. You would think. I mean, here's the thing. I guess the thing she says is, like, oh, Mama Bear just needed directions. So it does. it's incredibly a euphemism for, like, I killed this bear. But... But like, I guess that I guess a bear's claws are not as bad as like. Did she canonically get like blown up, or is this is it left ambiguous? It's ambiguous. It just says that she died in Afghanistan. Gotcha. I guess oh no, she didn't get blown up because they they talk about going to like a funeral. With like, I guess they never say if it's open casket or not. Right. If she's blown up, it's probably closed. <laughs> oh God. Ah. <laughs> uh. But, and, and so that's interesting. I guess this is, it doesn't say a lot other than like his mom is somehow powerful, implying like the family is powerful. Mm-hmm. 
but the the bedtime stories part is more interesting to me. Yeah, because we get we get a bit of a further dive into the idea that Frank has like a sort of multifaceted ancestry. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first one, yeah, the the first one was uh, Sufu, uh, who uh, sailed for the elixir of life, which I. I, that's I mean that's interesting I guess especially like in comparison to Frank who also seems to care about elixirs. Frank who didn't even need to sail for the elixir of life just lifted it off a gorgon someone else killed. Yeah. No need to sail. What a waste of time. <laughs> Very much so. Um. Then we've got uh Sungguo, uh also called Seneca Gracchus, which not not Gracchus but like Gracchus. Um, who I guess oh, yeah. was a dragon, uh, whatever that means. Like he he fought Roman dragons and Chinese dragons, which is honestly I kind of want to read that book. I also kind of want to read that book. So this this dragon is um one of Frank's ancestors, right? Yeah. So it's the original bad dragon. So I understand the joke you're making. Like bad dragon <laughs> is a company that makes sex toys. What, uh-huh. what? What? Why is it bad? Why does the connection to Frank make it bad? Oh, it doesn't. It's just that someone fucked the dragon. Is my point. Oh, oh, you're right. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, I, mean, I guess the implication. I guess if you have like names, then presumably you're like a human. Also, I was kind of imagining like Smaug's got a name. He's not a human. I mean, that's true, but Smaug isn't a human name. Uh, it could be. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was imagining, like, a guy who had, like, who was so powerful he was called a dragon, I guess. But Uh I I do like to imagine. I mean, I don't like to imagine it, but it's, Uh it's, it's, (laughs) listen, (laughs) listen, (laughs) but it's, 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 it's fun, funny to imagine the this sort of beastly tale. And then there's the final ancestor, the Prince of Pylos. You should go to a proctologist and get those checks. Huh? The joke I'm making is that Pylos sounds like piles. Oh, is this a thing? Yeah, it's like uh inflammation of the blood vessels in your ass. And they're oh. really itchy and apparently horrible old people get them. That's sad. What's the thing that people get if they've had chicken pox? Shingles? Uh, also that. So this guy had shingles and Hercules beat him up. What a yeah, dick. His whole thing is that he got he got the shit beaten out of him. Like <laughs> I I love that like his mom is going through all of these like great heroes and shit. And the the last one is like, yeah, and then there was this prince and he was kind of a loser. Hercules beat him up. Uh but he 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 put up a good fight. Even Hercules had trouble, you know, he fractured a knuckle knocking his teeth in. <laughs> I, I, I feel like this is a bit, like, too restricted by the mythology, probably. Probably, yeah. Like, you could you could at least, I don't know, give him, give him, a, give him a W, as I think. I think the, the problem is that, like, is it, Rick's always walking the fine line between, like, trying to make entertaining stuff out of the mythology, but also, like... There is an expectation that it's somewhat educational, yeah. so you can't twist the details too much. That's true, but Rick Riordan is fine with twisting the details of real-world locations. Uh oh. Uh, let's talk about Leeds Yen. Okay. Uh, this is this is where uh Frank's mom say they're from. Uh. She says that our family's from many places, but our home is Li Tian. Uh Always remember Frank. You have a special gift. Blah blah blah. So where is this? I I was curious, so I googled it. Uh huh. Um, and maybe this is like spoilers for a reveal later in the book, but I'm okay with it because of a very specific because reason. Because you can just you can just fucking Google it. The the name's right there. <laughs> yes. Um, Li Tian, It's a county in China. Uh-huh. Um, where if you go to the Wikipedia page, it says it has like the first, the first category is history. Obviously the second category is lost Romans myth. Oh, uh, 
Okay. Notice that this says myth immediately. Well, that's fine. These books are about myths. Well, the the specific myth here is that one guy, a professor of Chinese history at the University of Oxford... Instantly discredited. uh Uh-huh. Suggested (laughs) that the people of Itzian were descended from Roman legionnaires uh, because there was, like, a battle nearby and some Romans might have been taken prisoner. And... Now, the, the question is... Right. The question is, how has this been, been backed up by research? The answer is not at all. Uh, to date, to quoting this Wikipedia article, to date, no artifacts which might come from a Roman presence, such as coins and weaponry, have been discovered there. Uh, I mean, this is a better explanation of what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, the architecture in this uh, place is really impressive. So we're going to do, like, a proto-ancient aliens and say it was probably the Romans. Oh, God. That would be worse. So, you know. There are also people being like, why do the people here look so white? Or, like, why why do they have traits that we associate more with white people? And, well, I mean, I guess... People did like genetic uh, studies. Like, are they are they are they descended from Romans? The answer is no. The answer is there's no like genetic data either. I China's a big fucking place. People from different parts are gonna look different. Yes, this is the an- This is the I, real answer. <laughs> anyway, um, so I guess this. I I have to assume Rick Riordan heard of this myth, thought that's pretty cool, and then just put it in there. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that would track with, like, oh yeah, one of your descendants is. Uh, fucking ancestors. You're getting homesteads brained. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I... You throw me off now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that would track with one of your ancestors, was a. With one of your ancestors fought Hercules. Was all I wanted to say. Right, right, because that would like let him have like he can have various ancestors that in that way because like mm. you you get the trail from Greek to Rome to fucking China, and like obviously there was probably interaction between Rome and China, big places. Oh, there, there was like limited trade if if I'm remembering my history properly. Yeah, God, this really Rick Riordan is really just running up against his own format constantly. See, that's what I'm feeling with the Iris stuff as well. Insofar as, like, oh, we need a quirky character to meet, like Midas or, like, the Gorgons or whatever. I don't think it's that, because I liked Midas and the Gorgons. I think it's more like... So the... I think it's maybe, like, a structural problem with just, like, the way the series has been set up. Where, like, the original five Percy Jackson books are very, like, America-centric... Like, the only mythology those books really acknowledge is, like, Greek gods living in America. Right. And what Rick's trying to do now is kind of expand out and, like, explore, like, that in other places like China in this book or, like, uh, with Egypt and the King Chronicles. And the, the format of the books as set up in, like, those first five is, like, it's restricting him and it's causing him to have to do like weird roundabout bullshit like this weird lost Roman legionaries myth to like you get what I'm saying right I'm not completely insane here I, I, I think I get you and I mean we see more evidence of this in chapter 23 which is two pages long that okay that's a different formatting issue yeah yeah but I guess this is what I, this is actually what I originally meant Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, but this is this is two the, two different types of format issues. Uh, is that he has decided that there has to be three four, four chapters for each character, and I mean we've talked about this again and again. This just seems like it's two chat one chapter split into two. Yeah, this is just a couple of paragraphs that he shaved off a different chapter. It's like nothing nothing even particularly interesting happens here. He kind of rehashes his like thoughts from the previous two chapters. I'm 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 scratching my my head, thing, trying to think of a reason why this keeps happening. Cause in in Lost Hero, I I assumed that it was like him setting this format for himself, because it's like you know, it's the first time he's doing multi-character writing. And it's good to have a bit of a structure set up to get used to that. But we're on book two. He's still doing it, and it's still kind of weird and awkward in places. 
I, I wonder think... if it's maybe just like because it's a kids' book, is to like help with book reports. So you do four chapters a week. It's the same character. It's helping us with our podcast. <laughs> this no, is why you did it. I, maybe. Uh, the thing is, is that like the advantage of multi-character perspective writing should be that you can like change the rhythm up. In my opinion, yeah, like you should be able to like go from chapter to chapter, and like sometimes you'll get a long stretch of a character. Sometimes they'll even be like gone for a while. Maybe you won't be hearing from them, and. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of reasons that this is kind of constrained in uh, this series. One is, like you said, it's sort of just trying to be formatted more consistently for like the audience, which, which is children. And the mm-hmm. second is that the characters are all physically present together all the time. I hadn't clocked that, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it kind of makes it more difficult to have, like, I don't know, to play with it as much, I guess. Yeah, they're not kind of going off and having their own storylines. Like, the closest we've had to that is Hazel getting kidnapped for, like, two chapters by some wheat. Uh-huh. I'm, like, halfway through this book now. That's true. God, we are halfway through this book, huh? It doesn't feel like a lot has happened. No, no. Let me check how long this book is, really. Because we said we were halfway through The Lost Hero, and we were wrong. Yeah, about halfway. Just under. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, wait. I'm, I'm open on a random page, not the end of this reading. This is a 52-chapter book. So we're, we're 24 out of 52. That's... 256. Oh, wait, actually, we are, like, as close to exactly halfway through as we can get, actually. Interesting. Um, Gray? What the fuck is up with the Gray? I... My brain is poisoned because I've been playing Hades again recently. I thought this was Skelly. <laughs> it's like if Skelly was really scary... because like i'm thinking about it now this is a perfect weapon that that mars would give a child it's fucking horrifying it's just like the ghost of who like there seems to be some mystery set up here like we're supposed to be like ooh, who is this dead person the ghost of Uh uh-huh but it's just like this fucked up monster ghost who like rips these basilisks to shreds at one point uses like the force of a river to like tear them apart and scatter them to the wind he also snaps off one of his own ribs to use as a knife, which is sick as fuck. Yeah. The implication being the whole time that he could just, like, turn and kill Frank at any time if Frank wasn't quick enough with giving orders. Yeah, no, and that kind of, like, unstable, uh, like, master-servant relationship is always very fun and tense to read. Yeah. Uh, I, I immediately formulated a theory on, like, who this guy was. I want to hear it because I have I don't have a theory. Uh, it's not a specific guy, but it mentions like you know he's he comes out of the ground. He's gray. He's got gray clothes on. Uh, I thought this was another Confederate soldier ghost. I also thought this was a Confederate soldier ghost for a second. <laughs> I don't think it. I mean, it could be. It very well could be, but it feels like it's building to something more. To be honest. Yeah. Also, I okay. I'm not. Entirely up to speed on my Civil War history. Was were there any Confederate soldiers out in California? In California, in the uh, maybe I should know this. I'm I'm in America. I <laughs> I I live in the United States. I I should know this history probably. Uh, I'll I'll say maybe people can go anywhere. This is true, and I suppose it's not because Frank can use this thing anyway. He's not literally digging gray out of the ground from where he was. He's just dragging Grey up from the underworld, seems like the uh, the implication. Wait, no, they have to be the Confederates, because Camp Jupiter's set up there. Okay, but we already discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Man, all these kids are fucking doomed. Yeah? I don't know, just Frank spends this whole chapter being told by Iris, like, hey, you're gonna fucking die. You're born with too many, like, good magical abilities, so you're fucked. And Hazel is, you know gonna go back to the underworld at some point and like and i think it was in uh, the, the last set of chapters hazel describes percy as like looking as if he has seen his future and knows that something horrible is coming for him uh-huh yeah percy's a fucking time bomb right now <laughs> no like this is very true have we 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 keep being told that frank has great power that he can do anything 
Uh, do we just need to start like assigning powers to this boy? Like, okay, what's a great power Frank might have? Uh, the problem is that Clarice already got the coolest Ares power, which is the fucking Rage of the Gods mode from uh, the Battle of Manhattan. Yeah. Frank cannot get a cooler Ares power than that. Oh, I guess he's, he can get other powers, though. That's true. I mean, he has like a... He, he could have... What if he turned into a dragon? Actually... He could turn into a dragon. I don't know if I would like that, actually. I spent a second thinking critically about the idea of, of the one main Asian character's ability being to turn into a dragon. and That would suck, yeah. Uh, but he could... Maybe he has a... He doesn't have eternal life because he fucking... <laughs> He explicitly does not have it. Unless he gives his firewood to someone, I guess. I think in that case, he can still like, die of natural causes. I guess so. Uh, what about... We don't know a lot about Pylos. He has really good... Na- he, he has, like, the anti-bear touch. Like, if he touches a bear, it just disintegrates. God, that's why his mom had to keep him away from the bear. Like, she was, like, actually trying to protect <laughs> it from Frank. Oh, I figured that uh, she he inherited it from his mom, who also had the anti-bear touch, and that's what she did to it. It's very possible. I guess maybe he has, like, really good natural beekeeping skills? That is a thing that is mentioned for some fucking reason. Why does that come up? His mom is like, oh, Her- Hercules had a hard time because fighting the Prince of Pylos was like fighting a swarm of bees. And Frank was like, what the fuck does that mean? I guess it means the Hercules brought, like, a can of Raid. <laughs> so he didn't even break his knuckle. <laughs> no, he just got a bit of Raid in one of his eyes and it really hurt. God, no, that actually does sound like a fate worse than death. <laughs> have you ever been stung by a wasp or anything? I I have one of the most harrowing experiences of my life was wasp-related. Oh, God. Do you, do you want to talk about it on here? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I was hanging out with some of my dipshit friends, at, like um, just in one of like the fields in, around town, and they found like an underground wasp nest. Oh my god! Uh, and obviously, being mature and level-headed twelve-year-olds, they decided what they would do is like repeatedly ram sticks down the visible holes. Uh, what this did was it produced a lot of wasps. Uh huh. So obviously, we all kind of we ran away. Uh, with the wasps like buzzing around us, and one of them uh, landed on my shoe, oh. and I kind of freaked out. I kicked, I kicked around my leg a little bit. I looked down. Wasp was gone, and that's great. Up until I feel something crawling on my leg. Yeah. The wasp was slowly making its way up my trousers, and I stand as still as I have ever stood in my entire fucking life. Oh God. Uh, and the wasp. The wasp does not go down. No. The wasp continues upwards. Yeah. The wasp climbs all all the way to my pelvic region. Oh no. It somehow manages to navigate under my boxes. No. You have not known true fear until you have felt a wasp crawling on your balls. Oh my god. That's The wasp. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the wasp did not sting me on the balls, thankfully, which is good because I probably have just like died on the spot. <laughs> what it did do was uh, crawl up to like under my shirt, uh, and then while I was continuing to stand completely still, uh, crawl onto my shoulder and sting me like seven times. Oh my god, Jane. I did not move during while being stung seven times, a feat which I am proud of to this day. You like anyway, a- yeah. Fuck wasps. You achieved a new level of like mental domination over your body. There. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anyway, I was better than where I was thinking about getting stung for most of that experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that beats the fuck out of my story. Which was, <laughs> What's your story? I was, I mean, I encountered wasps a lot when I was a child. Like, uh-huh. there was one, like, constantly around, like, my grandma's, uh, like, she had, like, a little pool. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, there was, there were constantly just wasp nests building there. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. But when I lived by the lake that I mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. 
it was a kind of, not like rural area, but like, I don't know, it, it was a bit more, it was a bit more like that. And, um, <laughs> there were more wasps, especially like just like, con- uh. like on our porch and stuff. And one time one of them came in and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to, I don't like this. I will try and go to another room. And then I just like felt like a tugging on the bottom of my shirt. Like, no. And it started, cr- and it like flew under my shirt and started crawling up my back. Uh, no. So this is that not nearly as bad as your story, but this is my experience. See, your wasp is a speedrunner. It skips the the ball step and uh-huh. just went straight under your shirt. It did. The, it did. The, it did the ball skip. <laughs> God, I need to know if that. I'm just getting so fucking far off track. I need to know if the fucking youngling skip from the Lego Star Wars game is still viable. I it has to be surely. I hope so. Because the only way to stop something like that would be to make younglings killable. You're right. <laughs> oh god okay uh anything else to talk about before before we wrap this up uh i feel like we're maybe we're maybe starting to hit on a theme with our characters in these pages uh-huh uh and that theme is being offered an out to your miserable shitty destiny but knowing that you have to do your miserable shitty destiny anyway yeah i mean this is a classic percy thing uh hazel mm-hmm. hazel kind of already did this like she kind of did it in Alaska, and now now Frank is facing that as well. Yeah, she fucking killed herself rather than like taking Gaia's, as far as Hazel could tell, completely sincere off to just let her live. Yeah. Poor, poor kids. Poor kids. This is yeah. I hope the theme of this book isn't. It's good to stick with your shitty, horrible destiny, no matter what, even when you're often multiple outs. That would be better. It might be. You never fucking know. I, I also hope not. <laughs> we we also learn about the secret weakness of basilisks. What's that? Zia. Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. It's all coming together. Wait, okay, because they're they're weak to fire, right? They uh, well, I wasn't thinking the fire. I was thinking that um, Iris says that the way to vanquish them is weasels. Oh, fuck! You're right. <laughs> weasels god that book was so fucked up i really am just <laughs> i look back on the on those books so affectionately they but, were shit but there is there is a lot of affection there yeah oh god i want the i'm so i more than like anything else i am so excited for when we finish this series and get to do demigods and magicians i same i i need to see this i need to see the return of mad Ford. Or Setney, either or. Please. Oh, <laughs> if Mad Claude did show up in this book, I would I would fucking cheer. I, I they they missed an opportunity already, it's a shame. Well, what isn't a shame is that sometimes uh, we get to read subtext into these characters. And mm-hmm. for uh, this Percy Jackson characters and not says hat segment, I am going to nominate Iris. Uh Iris uh, posts on Tinder saying that she and her hubby are looking for a third. Uh, <laughs> any gender is fine. Um, and she is a, she probably, I feel like she might describe herself as pan sexy. Like, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're just looking for their unicorn. Looking for, do you think, cause she's got an entire shop full of like, new agey hippie knickknacks do you think she has like a tray full of the uh, craigslist jack-off crystals i hope so <laughs> god i i love the jo crystal it's one of my favorite like pieces of internet ephemera <laughs> you know maybe she's married to fleecy that'd be nice yeah uh my my pick is also iris but for a different reason uh she's the goddess of rainbows Oh. The fuck on. <laughs> very smart very smart i think uh i think that'll do it for us today i think so our intro and outro is super mario Ocean by space pony you can find that at oc remix uh cover art is by vera at innsmouth underscore in on twitter 
We are hosted by the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. You can find them on Moonshot Pods on Twitter. We also do Twitch streams, uh, a, a number of amazing shows there, of which we are only one. But if we're the only one for you, you can go on over to our Twitter at UnwiseGirls. <laughs> And take a look at our links to our various things, like our personal Twitters, our email, our Discord. As well, if you want to support us, you can go uh, leave a five-star reading review, wishing Jane a happy birthday, tell your friends about it. And uh, you can even go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for just a dollar a month, you will be able to get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you'll get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Yep, on the last episode of the bonus show, we just kind of sat and watched as Hussey continued to just completely collapse Homestuck into his own protracted public mental breakdown. We talked about how shit Star Trek Discovery is, and also how shit the Adventure Zone is. Oh, also, we moved it to a Tuesday. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And for $5 a month, you'll get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Danny, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single... Single? I think that was the first single. time I've ever... That was the first time I've ever flubbed uh, the outro like that. Yeah, you nail this shit usually. What <laughs> happened to you? I don't know. Every you gotta get it right this time, otherwise you'll never get it right again. Okay. <laughs> and as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay. Well, I I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I can let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old Args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find among with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. 